Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. Today we are on episode 76, and we'll be talking about Wildflower by Drew Barrymore. So I'm feeling much more leveled out and normal now. Part of it, I think, was just taking a day off when I was still doing a little work at the pain job, but I also got to mostly just clean and organize my house. I have been putting off both the podcast reading, well, all of this podcast reading and cleaning the house. I'm not a super organized or clean person per se, but there's definitely a level that I strive to achieve of organization and cleanliness that I need to feel good about. And I'm finally back at that level at the house and I'm feeling so much better about life and about everything. (laughs) I just had a lot going on at work that wasn't necessarily normal work, but some events and networking that really pushed me outside of my comfort zone and all of that socializing just gives me a lot of anxiety and isn't always enjoyable for me. Like I like networking and I like doing some of these events sometimes, but I had just kind of overbooked myself more than I felt comfortable with. And I just didn't have a lot of time to like recover from it either for a while. So everything just felt like a little too much for me. If you're hearing some snorting in the background, of course, it is the pug again. (laughs) I just fed them and there's some snorting and um, bowl tipping and all kinds of activity over there. So if you're hearing some background noises, once again, it's the pug. (laughs) But I am feeling happy that things are just feeling more normal for me again. And when I say normal for me, that's what I exactly what I mean. Like, I don't know exactly how much of my life is normal, but it feels normal for me. And I'm definitely someone that likes to be in my comfort space in my life. (laughs) And I have been working on a vision board for myself. I was talking to a friend of mine about how I was feeling down lately, and partly it's just because I put some dreams on hold. I think dreaming about our future and having goals is important, and I've always got some general goals and dreams, but income was kind of spotty lately with the regular job, and I put some of those dreams on the back burner, and it was definitely impacting my mood, and I wasn't realizing why my mood was in the place that it was at, and then it hit me one night when I was laying in bed, because isn't that when all the big ideas hit you is when you're laying in bed and you're trying to sleep, so I was thinking that this is the reason that I've been feeling a little down lately. Like one of the things that I want to do is go on a nice vacation this year. And I've been talking about going south, of course, to bunch on the podcast. So I'm revisiting those dreams and goals and putting them back front and center again. And I already feel better about life and about myself. I've done a few vision boards in the past. You can like create them on your phone too, but I'm a real visual person. And I wanted to create something that was regular in my life that I would see on a daily basis and not have to dig for, that it would be in front of my face and not something that was buried in my phone. So I'm working on my vision board currently. It's not done yet, but it is including the goals of things that I need to get. Some things like for around the house that aren't really terribly exciting, like a fridge, a cordless string trimmer, and I need new windows up at the cabin. But I'm also adding the fun things too. I'd like to get a vacation property, 
I would kind of like to get a vacation property in the French Quarter at some point. So I've added pictures that remind me of that goal, but that's a dream that I have. And whether that's attainable or not is not really the question. It's just something that I've always kind of dreamed about and wanted. Maybe not always, but definitely recently in like the last three years, I would say. So that's on my vision board. I've also been, or I am going to add the pictures of the places I want to go on vacation. Because there's just a couple places like just around the United States right now that are not like my big vacation goals, but places like I want to take the kid and that I want to go to myself. And again, I want to go down south again soon. So I'm adding those pictures in as well. Plus, other goals are going on my vision board. Like I want to do some more writing, so I've got pictures to represent that as well. Well, it's taken me longer than I wanted in regards to kind of feeling like I'm getting my life back to normal and getting things back in place just because of, you know, the crazy acts and that breakup and then work stuff and just feeling like I'm back to normal. I feel like I'm finally getting there and I'm finally getting like back on track and reclaiming my life and my happiness. And I maybe have said that before. (laughs) There's always going to be kind of setbacks and things like that, but I'm feeling in like a really good place right now and I'm excited about it. Moving into the booze today, this is definitely a book to pair with red wine. It's not as gossipy as some memoirs, but it definitely makes you thankful for your girlfriends. It's a good book to talk about like in a book club or like get your close to friend get your close friends together to talk about it. I picked Nobles Rives Syrah, which I probably spelled that wrong. And this is another one that I should have asked my mom about because it's a French wine, but it's an excellent wine that I did share with some good friends at a recent dinner. So Noble's Rives is by uh, Cave Detain, which I'm probably pronouncing that all wrong again. And I just talked to my mom probably like 30 minutes before I started this podcast. So I should have thought to ask her, but I did not. (laughs) But it is available at Total Wine right now for around $12.99. Personally, I didn't purchase this wine, but it's one that I would have gotten for myself and I plan to in the future. And it's only a little bit over what I normally pay per bottle. And unfortunately, I've noticed that wine is not immune from inflation and a lot of my regular wines have been going up in price as well. This Syrah is a medium-bodied French wine. I found I much prefer medium or full-bodied wines in general. And I wasn't going to make a joke here about being full-bodied personally, but I decided it was lame and that my son would probably roll his eyes at me while I was recording this. So I just decided to skip it. (laughs) The flavors you're supposed to taste in this wine are black currant, cherry with pepper and spice. And I could definitely taste some of that berry flavor, but it was only minimum pepper flavor, which was almost undetectable in my opinion. It wasn't too heavy on that flavor. Suggested pairings with this wine were pork. And my friends and I actually shared this bottle of wine with some dal and cucumber salad. It was delicious. So I definitely recommend an Indian pairing, Indian food pairing, but it would also be really good with some tangy sharp cheeses. And now that I'm thinking about this one again, and I'm talking about it, I need to go pick up a bottle for myself. So I'll probably go do that tomorrow. (laughs) Diving right into the book this week. So it's a memoir. And with memoirs, I tend to skip the author section and dive right into the book. And I will say this memoir is a little different than some I've read and shared recently. 
If you don't know who Drew Barrymore is, she is an incredible actor who has been acting since she was a young child. And she's most well known as a child actress. And she played Gertie from E.T. If you're of a certain age, you've heard about Drew Barrymore for years. You've heard of her addiction issues. You've heard about her wild girl phase. And you've seen her grow into this remarkably well-adjusted adult. And so if you're looking for a trashy tell-all, this is definitely not it. And to be completely honest, I was really hoping for this memoir to be a little bit different than what it was. As a woman who has gone through a life that most of us can't even relate to, I was really curious about the drinking, the drugs, the fame, the drama, not as much like the salacious details of that, which I think is what she was definitely trying to avoid, but more so like her perspective on things and how she dealt with that and and how she lived that way. You know, after this just insane life that she's had, I'd love to hear her dive more into the psychology of that and how it impacted her and how she handled things. With that being said, the book is more about the person she's become and the fun she's had along the way. She's really focused on the positive aspect of things. While she addresses a certain independence and challenges, she doesn't really dwell on them or go go too far in depth. One of the first things that Barrymore notes in her memoir is, quote, you do nothing in life alone. And I think that many of us... um, think and act as if we are alone. The older I get, the more I realize how true this statement is that Barrymore says. We rely on others for so much. And I know I, for one, felt that asking for help was a sign of weakness, but the truth is we need each other. We need each other in so many ways. Working from home helped me realize how important socialization with other adults is for me in particular. And I know that others are much happier working from home than I was but it definitely wasn't for me. I like seeing my coworkers. I enjoy hearing about their lives. I like having team members to call that I know I can rely on. And this first comment was something I was immediately drawn into for those reasons. Barrymore grew up poor and at a young enough age when she started acting, she didn't really understand why her life was changing so much because her family finally had more money due to her acting. She confesses that her parents' bad parenting gave her the blueprint for what not to do. And I totally get that because that I used to be a manager and there was a terrible, terrible manager that I had. And that was kind of the blueprint for me that I knew that I did not want to do what that manager did. And she helped me be a better manager because I was like, I never want to be her as a manager. She, I think, was just kind of a terrible person in general. But about parenting, though, that is a little bit different thing. And this is an incredibly hard pattern to break. So I give her a lot of credit for this. There's a reason there's a lot of discussion about the cycle of abuse. It's a generational pattern. The psychological strength and mental will that it takes to pull yourself out of that is really incredible. So you got to give very more credit for that. Sometimes in the United States, we talk about the American dream being that everyone has the potential for success, but what it fails to take into account is the patterns of abuse and generational trauma that so many Americans struggle with, not to mention all the other challenges that I talked about when we read Behold the Dreamers. That's even a whole different story there. Barrymore says of her dad, he wasn't a dad, quote, he was this mythical creature, Her father was one that came in and out of her life, never staying for long, and who was, to put it nicely, a bit of a free spirit. 
<laughs> and it's pretty clear that her parents were not good parents when Barrymore describes her first apartment. It's such a beautiful moment. And she points out that she was 14 years old and she was emancipated at that time. <laughs> she shares some of the same emotions and feelings that were familiar to me in getting my first apartment. Personally, it's one of the moments I'll never forget in my life. I had this tiny studio apartment in a suburb of Milwaukee, and I made myself steak, potatoes, and green beans. I had a small glass top wicker table that had been gifted to me by one of my fabulous aunts, and it was one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. There was such a, a wonderful freedom to it. It's just more heartbreaking that Barrymore was 14, and I think I was like 22. <laughs> Not that all of her childhood was bad. Barrymore remembers her mom taking her to McDonald's every time she didn't get a job that she had run for. Barrymore said, quote, it's probably why I associate healing pain with delicious fatty foods. It really does work. Now, I absolutely eat my feelings too, but I wouldn't necessarily call fast food delicious. It'll do in a pinch, but I've definitely got a little different taste for my comfort foods. And I know I've mentioned it before, but my go-tos are melty cheese. So pizza, nachos, grilled cheese, mac and cheese, fried cheese curds, mozzarella sticks, and any other food that has delicious melted cheese. Barrymore also absolutely name drops throughout the book. She's been in Hollywood for years and has worked with all different people throughout her career. While I don't envy her childhood, she has definitely worked with some of the creme de la creme in the business. So she talks about Steven Spielberg as a father figure. And to be honest, who didn't want Steven Spielberg as a father figure at some point in their lives? No, maybe not now based on the sexual abuse allegations against him. Barrymore doesn't mention these at all and speaks very highly against him. While the allegations against Spielberg very well may be true, because I do tend to believe women speaking up against sexual abuse, I do find her recollections of him touching. And it's a really nice story about how they have this great relationship. She shares this wonderful story of being in another country with him. And I can't remember what country it was, but the group they were in was offered dancing shrimp which were alive and like centipedes and she could barely keep her food down when he actually ate this dancing shrimp alive. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, like he chased after her or something too. It, it was just a touching story and one that I really enjoyed. Another uh, colleague and friend she speaks highly of is Adam Sandler. And I was really happy to read that she said, quote, he is as great as you want him to be. And I love that because, you know, especially people in my generation, we definitely grew up with Adam Sandler and you want him to be great. He was a goof, but he is one of those like lovable goofs. It was 51st Dates, which she mentions in the book. And she talks about the book her character Lucy is reading in the movie, which is Still Life with Woodpecker by Tim Robbins. And I've never heard of it, even though I think I've watched the movie like around 10 times or probably even more. So I had to look it up. And I was very disappointed to find out that it was not a book written by the actor Tim Robbins, who is also one of my favorite actors. <laughs> But it's on my to-be-read list, and I'm still waiting to get it through the library because I'm still on my no-read or no-buy book year. No-read book. That would be a bad year. No, I'm on my no-buy book year, and I'm loving the library right now. And now I definitely want to re uh, watch Fifty First Dates again. 
some of my favorite parts of the book is when she's recalling her times with Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu. While we're talking about three incredibly famous women, it's so down to earth and wonderful because it made me think about my good friends. They have relationships where they support each other and grow with and through each other. It's really fun to read about. And as I was talking about earlier in this episode, it's so important to have those people in our lives that are impactful to us. Barrymore shares the wilderness trip that she took with Diaz and Lou, and it's such a hilarious story, but so typical of what it is actually like hiking and camping in the woods. It did kind of make me want to get my girls together and go camping, or since they aren't all as adventurous as me, maybe just a good girls trip together. She talks about her dogs that she's had and loved in her life, and this part definitely made me cry because I am a dog lover and my dogs are so important in my life and I love them dearly. Personally, I've been having anxiety about my Chihuahua Jax. I'm afraid he's going to die soon. (laughs) And I realized it's because I've never had a dog as long as I've had him. I gave up two of my pugs when I got divorced, which was so dumb and I never should have given them up, (laughs) but I did. I thought it was the right thing to do at the time. That's a whole other story. And then the other dogs that I've had died young for just various reasons and and health reasons and stuff. So I've got like apparently this internal clock that realizes I've had him longer than any other dog and just triggered this fear in me that I'm going to lose him. But thankfully he is healthy and hopefully he'll live many more years. I'm actually kind of looking forward to uh, his vet appointment. He's got one in April. So just again, making sure that he is healthy and he should be around for a lot longer. Also, Drew Barrymore is a mom, and as a mom, I was touched by her talking about her love for her daughters. She jokes about how for the first three months, she was just focused on keeping her daughter alive, and I definitely related to this, but I felt like for me, it was like the first three years, not the first three months, (laughs) though that could have been some of my natural anxiety kicking in rather than just the motherly instinct or some combination of both, who knows, but I definitely remember for long time that I could never sleep through the night, even once my son stopped nursing, because I was just so worried that he was going to stop breathing. So I would get up and I would place my hand on him and make sure that he was still breathing. And I don't know how long I did that. But honestly, sometimes I still do it. And he is, you know, a lot older. (laughs) As I've said before, having a child is like a piece of your heart just walking around outside of your body. I always worry about my kids, no matter where they are and what they were doing. I always just want them to be safe and happy. Barry seems very much like the hippie chick that she's been portrayed as. She follows the Zodiac, which seems like a free spirit who is more grounded and centered than her father was. And she seems like she's very well-rounded. She truly seems like someone you could be friends with. She reminds me of some of my good friends. So, hey, Drew, if you're listening, call me. Let's grab a beer. I would definitely add her to my list of authors I'd like to have a drink with. She wraps things up with some final thoughts on how she impacts the world and what her purpose in life is. Barrymore took a trip to Kiberia and was blown away by the differences in how third world countries live versus first world. While we all read about it and know what it's like to an extent, I feel like that's such an accurate experience that she had. We can't truly know and understand unless we experience it. While I've said I'm an empath, I still think there's a limit, and I don't know if I'd want to even imagine how truly hard it is living the life of the children that Barrymore met on her trip. She says there is this 
quote, chasm between miracles taking place and that there is still so much to do. Well, it felt like she was trying to show that she was being altruistic. I do think the work that she is doing helping feed and educate the children in third world countries is important. I found her to sound very authentic in the rest of the book, and I'm not really sure why this one rubbed me the wrong way, but it did a bit if I'm being honest. And I do also think it's important to share your successes and the good you do in the world. Unfortunately, if you don't do it, a lot of times no one else will toot your horn for you. So I don't disagree with her doing that and sharing that and how important it was to her. But I don't I don't know. It's just a weird feeling that I noted while I was reading the book. I really enjoyed this book. It was a quick read. It felt a little thin to me considering the richness that I feel Barrymore possesses in her life. Though I will say she admits up front she wasn't sure how to tackle this project, but that she is proud of it. So it seems like this book was exactly what she wanted it to be. And I think that's important too, especially when you're telling a memoir. Personally, it's a three out of five for me. Goodreads gives it a 3.59. One reviewer said, Overall, very cute, but not really recommendable. I enjoyed the novelty and some anecdotes here and there. I love the actress, but not so much the author, which I, if I was going to write like a review like this, this would be the review I would probably write. Another then said, if you love Drew Barrymore, read this book. It is wonderful, great, and I loved every minute of it. Another said, I purchased this story trying to understand why adult Drew seems almost unbelievably and unrealistically perky on her new talk show, which I guess I didn't really know she had a talk show. That's how out of touch with the real world I am. But (laughs) after finishing her story, it made me realize she's coming from a grateful place. It's a moving and sweet story. And I thought that was really a nice review and one that I could definitely agree with and get on board with, even though I didn't love the book as much as this particular reviewer did. Again, books are so subjective. It was funny. Like I said, I was talking to my mom just like 30 minutes before I started this recording and we were talking about how um, different people's tastes are because she gave me a hard time about, I can't believe you gave me two, gave two stars to where the crawdads sing. And I'm like, well, like I said in the podcast, I think I was kind of ruined by the reviews and also it's okay. I If she loved it and I didn't love it, there's nothing wrong with that. We can all love different books because I have completely different tastes than her. Maybe not completely with my mom. We have pretty similar tastes in books, but there are still some books she loves that I don't and still some books that I love that I would never recommend to her. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, we have almost completely different tastes, but I do know what he likes to read. <laughs> so media recommendations this week. Ginny and Georgia on Netflix. This is such a great teen slash adult drama. Georgia was 15 when she got pregnant with her daughter, Ginny. She ran away from an abusive household and struggled as a teen mom to survive by lying and scheming her way through life and doing everything she could to keep and raise her daughter. Ginny is now 15 and going through the nightmare that is being a teenager. Georgia, Ginny, and young Austin have just moved to a small idyllic town to get a fresh start. It's so gritty and dramatic, but authentic and beautiful all at the same time. Also, the Deadly Manners podcast. This is the fictional story of the Billings family and has all the things I love in a thriller. It's got a cast of characters trapped by a midwinter storm. 
P.S. Perfect for the weather that we have been having in Wisconsin, not necessarily this week, but a couple weeks ago. It's thrilling, has a great cast. Highlights for me were Dennis O'Hare, who has such an incredible voice and such great range. Also, Kristen Bell, who I just adore. At times, it's super cheesy, but it was also entertaining and went by really quickly with only 10 episodes. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Instagram at Don't Read Drunk. Email don'treaddrunk at gmail.com and the website don'treaddrunk.buzzsprout.com. No apostrophe in any of those. This is a hobby podcast, so you can do a one-time donation through PayPal using my email don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. Remember, there's no apostrophe in the don't on that. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don'treaddrunk. Thank you to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sun Up, who created the music. You can find Aaron and One Up Till Sun Up on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. Also, they opened, I think it's almost been a year now, Supernova Coffee and Donuts, downtown Milwaukee. Next episode, Savage Appetites by Rachel Monroe. Bye, and talk to you soon. 